So let me tell you a little story from the Bible this morning. Uh, it takes place uh, in Israel, Middle East. It had been about 400 years since God's people, the people of Israel, had heard anything from their God. No prophetic voices, no miraculous events, really nothing. It had been 400 years of silence. God's chosen people were living under the domination of the world's greatest power, and they were subject to the whims of a a brutal ruler who thought nothing of ordering the murder of innocent children in order to stay in power. And this great world power seemed to have the ability to wipe out the Jews at any time. There didn't seem to be a lot of hope, and many of the people had just resigned themselves that this was the way that things would always be. But not all of them. Some of them were still looking for God to come and save them. And in fact, God did see the condition of his people. He saw where they were at. He saw their servitude. He saw their weakness. He saw their helplessness. And hundreds of years before, he had made a promise that he was going to come to them, and the time had come for God to step in and act and to deliver his people. And so, on the sleepy Middle Eastern hillside with sheep scattered all about, God made his move. He appeared to his people, and he spoke to a lowly and forgotten shepherd, and he said, Moses, take off your sandals, for you're on holy ground. And Moses was afraid, and he hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Did I just confuse any of you? Uh, See, I know you're not going to pay attention unless I keep you off balance. Um, No, I'm going to read the other story about the other shepherds, but, but as I do that, you might want to keep Moses in the back of your mind because maybe something was a little bit familiar about that story. Well, let's go to Luke chapter 2. Jesse read some of these verses, starting in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2. In those days, so now we're a couple thousand years later, maybe 1,500 years later, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. We'll stop there. 
So yeah, we're talking about the, the Christmas shepherds today. But I got thinking this week, it's kind of eerily strange, isn't it, how, how, how similar the situation was to the time of Moses. If you really think about it, it really had been 400 years of silence on both occasions. Both times there was a great world power. Both times there was a vicious dictator involved who had been slaughtering innocent babies to preserve his power. And on both occasions, God had a message to share which went like this, I, your God, am coming down to deliver you. I've heard your cries, and I'm coming to rescue you. And both times, as God was looking for someone to carry that message, he chose, of all people, shepherds. Coincidence? Maybe. What is it with God and shepherds? Why would God entrust two of the most momentous announcements in all of biblical history to shepherds? What was it about them? Well, I can think of two main reasons that he might trust shepherds with this. First of all, shepherds aren't terribly busy. Right? Did you ever have a job like that? Like a job with long stretches of monotony and boredom and not a whole lot is going on and you're there and you're at your desk or you're at your post or whatever and time just seems to, to drag along. You know, you're trying to stay awake. These shepherds could probably relate to you because their job a lot of the time was like that. Now, it wasn't that their job wasn't important because their job could get exciting all of a sudden, and from time to time it would because they were responsible for all those sheep. And sheep, you know, they were apparently like, you know, the catalytic converters of the ancient world. They were very accessible and easy to steal. And so, you know, they, they had to, to watch out for that. And, and, but yeah, there were wild animals running around that could threaten your sheep. And beyond that, the sheep themselves were not the brightest bulbs on the tree, we didn't have trees yet, but they weren't the smartest tool in the shed, and they would maybe, you know, fall into a creek or fall into a, a ditch from time to time and get themselves in their own kind of trouble, and so you had to pay attention, but for the most part, the job was pretty peaceful and very routine, and the shepherds typically had a lot of time to think and to talk and maybe to daydream and otherwise to try to keep themselves from falling asleep, and especially when you're on the night shift like this, and maybe some of these Israelite Shepherds even fantasized from time to time about something that might happen to them, you know? Remember Moses, how he was watching sheep? Remember what happened to him? What if, what if God showed up and talked to us in like a burning bush or something? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, like that would ever happen, you know? Just go back to watching the sheep, Larry, right? Well, guess what happened? There was a lot of peace in a shepherd's life, a lot of space where God could break in and he could get their attention, which is, of course, pretty much the opposite of what it is like for you and me today, right, especially at Christmas time. Between the regular hustle and bustle of life, it is doing life and our jobs and our kids and our family and church and end-of-semester school stuff and getting tested for COVID and then on top of that making travel plans, preparing to host relatives, trying to figure out who's going to sleep where, what presents to get for whom, what meals to serve, what song to sing at the Christmas Eve service that pastor's making you go to. And, and then, you know, your phones always keep making those noises and, and notifying you of the latest headline or Instagram post or text or whatever's coming in. And so it's easy to go through an entire day and not have a single thought of God or that he might want to break into your life somehow or say anything to you in the midst of all this, right? And they didn't have some of those things back 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, but they had their own set of distractions. If you think that our government is sometimes rather intrusive and likes to jerk us around, 
Imagine if they suddenly decided to impose a brand new tax on everybody, and then in order to pay it, everyone had to travel to the place where their ancestors came from to sign up. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what the, the commentators on Fox News would say about that kind of a deal? Yeah, this is what was going on in Bethlehem. This is what was happening. It was a very hectic and unsettled time. And into this world of really chaos, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born to become the Savior of the world, born to become the only and final sacrifice for sin, and to give eternal life to all the ones who would trust in Him. God had made Himself human. He had become one of us. The Son of God was lying in a manger somewhere in that city. And God the Father really wanted to tell somebody about this, and He wanted somebody who would listen long enough to get the message and be willing to obey long enough to carry this message to other people. And so, He went to some people who would have this kind of space in their lives, the shepherds. And He sent His angels to deliver to them the greatest message ever given, that God was coming to deliver His people once and for all. Which leads me to ask you today, if God wanted to speak to your heart this year and give you a message of some kind, would there be space in your life to receive it? Or would you be running around to stores or looking at your phone or maybe just sitting and worrying about something? You know, it's interesting. In Moses' encounter with God, if you go back to the, the, the 1,500 years, when he noticed this burning bush, Exodus tells us that he had to turn aside. It wasn't like thrown right in front of him. It was over here somewhere, and he saw it, and he had to actually kind of break routine and go out of his way to examine what was going on with this bush. And only after he did that did he hear God calling his name. Do you think that in the midst of this Christmas season, what's left of it, you could turn aside? Turn aside like Moses did at least once to see if God might be wanting to get your attention. After all, he may have a message for you. You say, message for me? Why would God have a message for me? It's not like I'm all that special, I'm not, I'm not all that important or all that influential. Well, that brings me to another thing about shepherds. They're not all that busy and they're not all that important. It isn't that shepherds are, are bad people. It isn't that they're, they were hated or despised. I've heard it said on occasion, even preached, that the shepherds were like the lowest form of life and they were the outcasts of, of society in biblical times. That's probably not the case. It's true that the ancient Greeks didn't have a whole lot of nice things to say about shepherds. They said some really mean things about them, actually. But the Israelites would have thought differently. After all, Moses, David, Abraham, Jacob, they all did shepherd's work. At times in the Old Testament, God refers to himself as a shepherd, and he calls the leader of his people shepherds. So it would be hard to say that the Israelites would have no respect at all for shepherds. But still, when it came to influence, when it came to prestige, how people were thought of in society, you know, shepherds were nowhere near the top of the ladder. They were way closer to the bottom. They mainly toiled in obscurity. They were not highly educated. They had a menial and boring job most of the time. They didn't have much of a social life. Probably more used to talking to animals than people. You wouldn't think of them as God's first choice as spokespeople. And of course, you might say, well, Moses, he was pretty important, right? Moses was a very important guy at one time. Yeah, but did you notice that God never spoke to Moses when he was a prince of Egypt? Not then. He actually waited until Moses had been sent off into obscurity into the Sinai wilderness to be a shepherd. That's when he spoke to them. Moses, Moses didn't hear God's voice until he was retired. 
really. He, he thought, Moses thought he was all washed up. They had put him out to pasture, literally. <laughs> the time when Moses could have maybe reasonably expected to hear a word from God into his life was long past. Any retired people here? Do you think God is done with you? Do you think he can't use you to change things in your family, in your church, in your community? Think again. Don't ever assume that God can't use you to make a difference in the lives of others. These shepherds in Luke, after they were finished being sore afraid, you know, after they got up off their faces, because they were shocked by this, and they got up, and the next thing they probably did was look behind them to see who the angel was really talking to, right? Because it couldn't have been them. You know, sometimes you wave at somebody, you think they're waving at you, but they're waving at the more important person behind you, and you're like, mm, okay, thank you. Isn't that embarrassing? The shepherds probably felt like that, but all of a sudden they realized the angel was actually addressing them. And just like with Moses, they would receive a message from God that they would be responsible not just to, to, to take in, but to carry to other people. And they had to make a decision, just like Moses and just like us, to obey. The angel's announcement, if you look at it, it kind of assumes that they're going to go to Bethlehem, doesn't it? It kind of assumes they're going to go make a search for this child, but that's not going to be an easy thing. To go looking through a busy city and to try to find if there's a baby lying in a feeding trough somewhere in some animal shelter somewhere in the city. That can't be an easy thing to, to, to pursue. Now, the assignment was probably not quite as frightening as the one given to Moses, who had to go and talk to Pharaoh, but it still had its share of awkwardness and difficulty about it, and they, and they had noticed they had a little discussion with themselves about whether or not to go, which they decided pretty quickly to go and give it a try. And they went for it, and God blessed their search. And, of course, the message they were given was even better than the message that God gave to Moses. It was the best message ever because the deliverance, the rescue that God was going to work through this baby was way better than anything he did through Moses. This was the real deliverer. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior. A Savior not from Rome, not from Egypt. A Savior from sin. A Savior from Satan. A Savior from yourself a Savior from absolute hopelessness and despair who can give you a new life. A Savior who is Christ, the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds of years. The Lord. It's God. It's God in the cradle, in the manger. Have you heard that message? I mean, have you heard that message for yourself? Whatever other message you ever hear from God, this is the first one you need to hear. There is a Savior who was sent into this world for you. He is Christ. He is the Lord. He is Israel's Messiah. He is the God of the universe. But at a more personal level, He is your Savior from your sin. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, think back. When did God speak in your life and get you to turn aside? Because you would have had to do that. To really hear this message, to really internalize it, to really own it, so that it really hit home that there was forgiveness for you, no matter what you had done. 
that there was a brand new start available for you. There was eternal life for you personally. You were invited to turn aside from following your own way and depending upon yourself for your own little self-salvation and to receive a free gift that God would give you that would change your life forever going forward. When did that happen? Have you heard that message? If you don't get any other message to share with people this Christmas, you at least have that one. But allow me to generalize just for a minute in the couple minutes that we have left and consider what the shepherd's message would have meant to those people who heard it back 2,000 years ago. And I want to look at really two sets of people. First of all, I want to look at all these people in Bethlehem who were in town. Maybe some of them lived there. Most of them had come in town to register for the census. And they were dealing with the burden of living under Roman rule and the chaos of this very intrusive and bothersome time. And the message for them was, hey, God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten his promises to you. He hasn't forgotten that he knows you by name. He hasn't forgotten that he committed to redeem you. And whatever else it seems is going on right now in your life, you need to know that he is coming soon to keep his promise to you. That's what it would have meant to them. Is that a message that God might impress upon your heart this Christmas? Provided that you turn away long enough to believe it yourself. Do you need to know today that God hasn't forgotten you? that no matter what it looks like in your life, no matter what chaos is going on, that God can speak into that and he is, is ready and willing and wants to redeem all of this and to redeem you and to speak to your heart and to come into your experience. But what about others? Is Christmas a time of chaos for your family? Is there tension in your family? Talk about that now as a family together. No, don't do that. <laughs> is there complaining, backbiting, and arguing? Is there anxiety over travel, over hospitality arrangements, over food, over disease, over finances, over gift giving, over anything else? Or is there maybe just so much going on right now that, that you sense that the celebration of the gift of a Savior is kind of getting lost in the shuffle? Will you be the one? Will you be the one to, you, to carry that message of Christ back to the center of things? Maybe with your words, but maybe with your actions too. Will you be the one to break the tension by giving something up for somebody else, something that you really wanted? Will you be the one to forgive somebody as Christ forgave you? Will you be the one to share God's word with others? You might not be the most important or influential or highly thought of person in your family or in the picture or, or wherever, but, but, but to God, that doesn't seem to matter, does it? But then let me get even more specific. I want you to think about two other people in this story, Joseph and Mary. I want you to think about what this time must have been like for them. Because I think, I think a big part of the shepherd's mission here was meant for Joseph and Mary. It wasn't long ago that Joseph was considering a divorce because of the way this baby showed up. And it was a pretty emotional time, certainly for him and also for Mary. And it was almost certain there was gossip going on around Nazareth about him and his wife and, and why they had gotten married so suddenly. And maybe that's one of the reasons that Mary had taken that extended trip down to see her cousin Elizabeth just to get out of town. And now that she's back in town and very far along in this pregnancy, suddenly there's this census and it's quite possible that Joseph, scholars think, maybe didn't even need to take Mary 
that as the head of the household, he could have gone down to Bethlehem, signed the papers, maybe got back up to Nazareth in time for the birth. But then how does he dare leave Mary alone for that length of time? And then again, but can she really handle the trip in her condition? Well, should she go or not? What does God want them to do? Well, where do we stay if we go down to Bethlehem on such short notice? Well, I guess if we go down there, God will have some way of providing for us. It's a difficult decision. They're going to have to trust God to take care of him. But then when they finally make this difficult trip down to Bethlehem, you'd think that God would have something set up for them, right? Like a hotel room. But they can't even find a place in the guest house. And now they're out in a garage or a stable or maybe even a cave of some kind with animals. They're maybe ready to say, God, are you sure you thought this one all the way through? Is this the way you make plans? We thought this baby was special. Has God forgotten them? Did they do something wrong? Are they out of his will? Did they make the wrong decision? Was God's blessing even still on them? These are real people just like you and me and our loved ones, and they're not immune to anxiety and confusion no matter how many halos the artists paint over their heads. But then out of nowhere, a knock at the door. A group of shepherds. Excuse me, can we come in? We hate to bother you, but is that a manger? We think we hear a baby in there. We're here to see the baby. You see, something incredible just happened. This angel just told us that your baby is the Messiah and the Savior of mankind. Can you imagine what that must have meant to this young couple? It was God checking in to say, fear not, Mary and Joseph. My plan hasn't failed. You're still at the center of it. And my promises are being fulfilled. So keep trusting, keep following, keep worshiping. I'm still here. Do you need to hear that today? Is there maybe somebody else in your family that needs to hear that? Is there one person in your family or maybe one family in this church that you know who needs to hear that, that God's plans have not failed? His grace is still active. His presence is still close at hand. His love in Christ is still everlasting no matter what it looks like in your life right now. No matter what the, the plans of God seem to have happened to them and what it looks like and how it maybe isn't what you imagine. But God is still there. Keep trusting. Keep following. Keep praying. Keep worshiping. Will you be the one to carry that message to a hurting family member this Christmas or maybe to a hurting family? After all, our greatest need has been met. Ultimately, the biggest thing that we needed, we already have. For unto you, unto us, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray.